Well, you're at the game and it's Friday night and you want to make sure that the calls are right. This is high school football rules. There's a hole in a fumble and an illegal pass. Now, what do you do? Cause you're the raffle. This is high school football rules. Well, sit on down and kick right back. You're going to listen to Luke and Matt. They're talking high school football rules. They're talking high school football rules. All right. Welcome to High School Football Rules, the podcast where we're talking about the NFHS high school football rules. Tonight, we are talking about rule three, periods, time factors, and substitutions. Luke, let's dive right into it. What do you say? I think it's right about time to do so. All right. 3-1, length of periods, halftime intermissions. Article 1, the clock, running time for a game shall be 48 minutes for high schools with periods and intermissions as indicated in Table 3. Table 3, we will publish this, but period is uh, just a table that says first half. The first period shall be 12 minutes. The second period shall be 12 minutes. There will be a one-minute intermission between periods. Halftime intermission is anywhere between 10 and 20 minutes. This is something you should take care of uh, in the pregame. So nobody's trying to track anybody down at halftime to figure out how long the the, uh, timeout is. A lot of times the administrators will tell you anyways, but do this in the pregame meeting or at the coin toss. There will be a mandatory warm-up period of three minutes following the 10 to 20-minute halftime. So let's just assume that there's 10 minutes on the clock. It runs down to zero. There will be an automatic three minutes again, which is designated specifically to be the warm-up period. Um, Sometimes that gets bungled up, but just know whatever you put on there, it's going to run down to zero. You're going to add three minutes again and go. Same thing happens in the second half, third period, 12 minutes. Intermission for one minute, fourth period, 12 minutes. Charge timeouts are all one minute. Back judge is in charge of timing those one-minute intermissions and timeouts. I always forget to do that, so sometimes you can make it up, but the back judge is in charge of that. He should uh, keep he or she should keep track of that and let the white hat know when that period is done. Article 2. By state association adoption, a point differential may be established whereby if one team has gained the established point differential, the game shall be terminated. A state association may also establish guidelines to use a running game clock when the point differentials reach. Now, we're in Minnesota, Luke, so we've got the point differential. Thirty-five points and more. So once you hit thirty-five, that's when it's possible for us to have this situation. Um, And that's for the fourth quarter only? Correct. So the last 12 minutes. Then if the if the if the score gets under twenty nine, so twenty eight or less, it goes back to uh, regular timing. Rules, That's correct. correct. Yep. All right. So our state does not have it where uh, you know the teams the game's just over, but we do have a running clock. So if you're not in Minnesota, you're going to have to check with your state association to figure out what they've got. Article three: A period or periods may be shortened in an emergency by agreement of the opposing coaches and the referee. By mutual agreement of the opposing coaches and the referee, any remaining period may be shortened at any time or the game terminated. Now, I've had this one time where we had lightning, but it was a team was I think they were up forty to nothing at halftime, and they weren't going to get the game going again. Um, the team that was down forty, you know, he just came and talked to uh, our white hat and basically said, "Look." 
we're not going to win this game. There's no way we should be playing this game anymore. It's unsafe. But I can't go tell my team that I I uh, threw in the towel, right? So just as a courtesy, put put yourself in that coach's situation and, you know, as a referee, as a crew, be the fall people there and just say, look, we're calling this game, it's over, you know, and let the, let that coach save a little bit of face. That's all I got to say on that one. But it does happen from time to time. Um, the running time does help. Coaches are usually pretty good about getting the JV or the sophomores in to help slow things down. So, But just be conscious of that. The only time I've had it is where uh, like same situation where there's a big margin between the two teams, but uh, one team's getting frustrated by losing by that much. And, uh, you know, to help their coach get through the situation of trying to manage his players who are getting a little rowdy, we also shortened it for that purpose. So uh, they, they, both coaches yeah. were on board. You know, the the game wasn't going to change. We weren't going to have a different outcome. We just shortened it to make sure that all players were eligible next week too. Yeah. Article 4, games interrupted because of events beyond the control of the responsible administrative authority shall be continued from the point of interruption unless the teams agree to terminate the game with the existing score or as otherwise provided for by the state association adoption. I've never had this happen, but let's just say a light lights fall in the middle of the field and they can't get anything you can't play the game anymore. They got to wait for a week and come back. They're just obviously somebody's going to write down the time and score and where the ball was and everything and you could just start right there. Uh, Article 5, when weather conditions are construed to be hazardous to life or limb of the participants, the crew of the game officials, the crew of game officials is authorized to delay or suspend the game. So that's where it's based it's it's hard. I think in Minnesota, it's the administrator of the home team is in uh, communication with a white hat, but you know it's up to the officials too to say, "Look, this is just not safe." And everybody, for the most part, played and understands the game and when it's safe, when it's not. And uh, you know you should try to get that game in uh, for the kids more than anything. But obviously, you got to make decisions when you have to make decisions. Article six. State high school associations may determine the length of halftime intermission, provided it is not less than 10 minutes and not more than 20 minutes. Uh, Subsection A, 15 minutes is normal for halftime intermission. B, halftime intermission may be increased to a maximum of 20 minutes, provided opponents have been notified no later than five minutes prior to the game. And C, by mutual agreement of the opposing coaches, the halftime intermission may be reduced to a minimum of 10 minutes, not including the mandatory warm-up period. So basically this really only comes, I mean, kind of depends on the size of the school and if it's senior night. If it's senior night or something like that, a lot of times all of a sudden halftime turns into 20 minutes or there's some other reason to have the homecoming court or something like that um, being displayed, it goes to 20 minutes. Or you've just got a huge school uh, with a big band and they've got to put on a big performance. So usually the the band may be pulling in more people than the football team in some of those. The only other yeah. time I've really had it where I – I'm just, I've been back to the same school a few times now. Where they go at halftime is so far away from the field that it's just best to give them the 20 minutes because it seems yeah. like the visiting team always just struggles to get out. So They've uh, got two to three to four minutes of travel time each way anyway. So, right, yeah. right. And as a, as a referee, I'm very deliberate and slow in starting halftime because I just, I've been through that a few times. So those yeah. long walks back to a locker room, that's another reason to go to the 20 minutes. Wait till everybody's off the field. I mean, again, you want to get out of there. You want to move the things along, but have a little bit of respect for 
uh, what's going on. Uh, there's an exception to this. If the game is interrupted due to weather during the last three minutes of the second period and the delay is at least 30 minutes, the opposing coaches can mutually agree to shorten halftime intermission, provided there is at least one minute intermission, not including the three minute warm up period. So it's basically just saying, like, look, we, we just basically had halftime. Let's just call it halftime and move on. And essentially, the third quarter is, a, is extended a little bit. But yeah, you, you just had a lightning break of a half hour. You don't want to go out, play three minutes, and then take another 15 minutes. So yeah, just that counts as halftime. You'll play the end of it, then start up the second half. Yeah. Article 7, the game officials are responsible for ensuring that there is a three-minute warm-up period posted on the game clock and the game clock immediately started for use by the coaches immediately after the halftime intermission expires. The head coach is responsible for his team being on the field for mandatory warm-up time at the end of the scheduled halftime intermission. So basically, as a white hat, you could tell me this more than anything, Luke, but take care of this with a timer when he comes down to talk to you before the game, right? Just make sure he understands it. He or she has probably heard it 30, 40, 50 times. And just, again, walk him through it. We will do three minutes. I will show you three minutes. Start it as soon as it goes to zero. Does that sound right? Yeah, and the thing that I've had happen is, like, it gets down to 45 seconds, and both teams have been standing around because they were out there on time, and then that guy yep. wants to put up the 15 minutes and – you can't do that. There's three minutes. It has to go from three all the way down to zero. I'm very clear every time I get a, a timer uh, to discuss that, just to say, hey, it's got to go all the way to zero before we put up the time for the third quarter. Yeah. All right, moving on to 3-2, starting a period or a half. Article 1, each half of a game shall be started by a kickoff. Before the scheduled game's starting time, the referee in the presence of the field captains shall instruct the visiting captain to give heads or tails choice before the coin toss if the coin toss or simulated coin toss is held on the playing field it shall be held three minutes prior to the scheduled game starting time or as otherwise specified by individual state association so in minnesota do we have a specified time we always do it about a half hour so everybody just understands and then you're not getting uh bungled up with stuff so sure part of our state uh thing is we're supposed to walk out 35 minutes ahead of time once we've met with both coaches we do it kind of as soon as we can afterward um so rather than waiting till that three minute mark we take care of it as soon as our coaches meetings are done which is usually right around 30 minutes article two at the coin toss or simulated coin toss conducted three minutes prior to the scheduled starting time or as your state association has adopted on the field of play not more than four team members in game uniforms, captains, for each team may be present at the coin toss and only one from each team shall be designated as its spokesperson. All other team members in uniform must remain outside the field of play. All right, I'm just going to bring this up real quickly. That is the letter of the law. There is a million reasons to allow five or six players. Sometimes you've got an injured captain, right? And this is his last game and it's senior night and all of this. Cripes. Let six or seven people go out there. I mean, they might stand back a little bit. This is not one of those things where you want to show people how smart you are with how many captains you're allowing at the coin toss. It's a coin toss. Yeah, let tell one person they could talk. Let everybody. It's, but um, you know these these players, specifically captains, have done a lot to get to this point as a senior, as a captain. Cripes, just let them walk out there. That's my rant, Luke. I don't know what you've got. No, I feel the same way. It's you know the. the being a captain on a team and going out for a coin toss is a special deal. 
Um, I not that I don't want 20 people out there. There's obviously a, a, a tipping point with this, but if there's a reason to include one or two extra people, uh, I'm not going to fight anybody on that. I know what the rule says, but uh, trying to give people more experiences as part of high school football, I'm all on board with that same philosophy, Matt. Yeah, yeah. If somebody, if the other coach wants to play and say, okay, well, here's my assigner. You write him a detailed letter that I, Matt. I allowed uh, six captains, and let's see how far that goes. Okay, move on with life. Article 3. The winner of the toss shall have first choice of option for the first half or to defer and have first choice for the second half. The loser shall have the first choice of options for the half the winner of the toss did not select. The options for each half shall be A, to choose whether his team will kick or receive, or B, to choose the goal his team will defend. The team not having the first choice of option of the half shall exercise the remaining option. Okay, so you're the white hat. Visitor team calls heads. It is a heads. You say, all right, kick, receive, defend a goal, or defer to the second half. Those are the four options I've always heard. Do you you present it any other way? I I do. I just say, do you want to receive or defer? (laughs) Okay. And the the reason behind it, I mean, okay, there's the – corner case we'll talk about where people may want to kick off twice they may want to pick an end of the goal or end of the field to, to guard for uh, you know weather or some other specific reason but um, the big thing is we're trying to prevent the team from kicking off twice if that's not what their coach wanted them to do you know yeah. I, I if there is that type of thing I try to talk to the coach pregame and during our meeting ask him if he has a you know a weird choice when it comes to that if it's kind of a weird weather day normally though i'm just trying to make sure it's fair and even for both sides um not making someone kick off twice is the end goal of the way i have that conversation with that player and as a high school official it is okay to ask two or three times and then ask if they want to look at their coach if you know they're making the wrong decision Nobody is going to give you any grief for not allowing uh, a 17 or 18-year-old kid to make a bad decision for his whole entire team and the city and all that stuff. I'll just say that I've had one time in my uh, 17 years where a coach, second half, you know, again, he specifically came up and says, I want to defend a goal. It It was a situation where one side of the field was completely wet, muddy, the other side was dry. It was like a 7-7 seven to seven game. He said, I want that side of the field in the fourth quarter. We are going to defend a goal. So his team kicked off twice. But, again, if a coach is going to do that, he is going to be the one to come up and talk to the officials. He is going to make it clear. You're going to ask him, are you sure? He's going to say, yep, all that stuff. So there are times you will know it. But, again, you should have a very firm understanding as a neutral observer what the team should choose in terms of kicking or receiving or deferring and help them along. Now, which way they kick, that's a little different stuff uh, scenario. Let them figure it out with their assistant coaches. You can give your opinion, but, um, yeah, don't let a team mess up. It's high school football. Don't let the team do something um, that they shouldn't. This isn't the NFL. There's no money on the line. Just a little bit of pride. Help the kids out. All right, the last one on that is Article 4. Between the first and second and between the third and fourth periods, the team shall change goals, team possession, number of the next down, the relative position of the ball, and the line to gain remain unchanged. Um, I think everybody kind of understands that. The big thing is to make sure that your um, line is a line judge. Who's got the chains this year? Well, we, we split it, remember? Halftime, yeah. uh, we, we actually flip sides. So both 
Both line of okay. scrimmage officials will deal with this, one in the first quarter, one in the third quarter, um, at the end of those gotcha. uh, periods. Yeah, make sure that they know, look, it's your job to make sure that you've got that position. We're going to write it down. Um, you know, Usually the umpire, the white hat, and the back judge and our crew make sure they understand where that ball is, right? I have started even saying that the back chain is on the t- on the 23 and the front chain is on the front chain is on the 33 so that if there's even a iota of error that p- potentially happens you can go back and say that i have wrote down that the chain was here and here right and we can go and move the ball and make sure that it's if it's on the right hash it's on the right hash the other side things like that now the best thing that happens is that it's just a first down and you don't even <laughs> have to worry about the chains and you just move the ball but you know, so if you can, you know, just a little bit, you know, the quarter's running out and it's either it's close to a first down, maybe just inch that up to make it a first down so you make it easier on yourself, right? Well, and yeah, and use all the tools at your disposal. Uh, that, that scoreboard usually has down in distance and yard line yeah. on it. Uh, if you guys yeah. are mixed up, take a peek at that and help yourself out. It's probably stayed exactly the same as the last play. 3-3, three, three, ending a period or half. Now we start getting into a little bit of the tricky stuff when we got some uh, what happens at the end of the period or half. Article 1, approximately four minutes, and again, I don't know where this one comes in if there's a clock, but approximately four minutes before the end of each half, the referee shall notify the field captains and their coaches of the time remaining. If time is not out, the referee, what does that mean? If time is not, oh, if time is not out, the referee shall order the game clock stopped while he does this. If an electric field clock is the timepiece, no notification or stoppage of the game clock is required. So basically, this doesn't happen in varsity football. It happens in less than varsity football when the clock is on the field. You've got it on your wristwatch or something like that. Um, and I wouldn't. There's no reason to stop the game. No coaches at the sophomore or freshman or eighth grade or you know they don't want the game clock stopped. You know, just tell them four minutes. Put up four minutes, four minutes remaining, you know, and let the other guy know and tell him four minutes. So. Well, and there, there's a lot of crews now that are using the 020, so it's very quick for whoever does have the clock to tell all of his buddies on that radio, hey, there's, you know, 358 okay. left, and that can go over. Yeah. What's an 020? Oh, sorry. Uh, for us layman people. <laughs> I did it again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Official to official communication. Most of the time 020. there's... Oh, I thought that was like a brand, but it's an, you're, you're using your DPI... OPI stuff, huh? Yeah, so O two O official to official. official, correct. And, and really, what they are is uh, essentially the same thing as like a a hunter's radio. They do make some that have you know encrypted channels and stuff like that. But uh, in general, people are using just kind of low cost radios that kids use outdoors uh, to to be able to communicate gotcha. to both sides of the field effectively. Article two: If time for any period expires during a down, so the clock indicates triple zeros. Play shall continue until the down ends, even if a mechanical signal is allowed to sound. So even if the horn goes off, keep playing. And I think most people have a fairly firm understanding of this, but um, it's worth it to just say that the horn does not stop the the game. Correct. Article 3. A period shall be extended by an untimed down if one of the following occurred during a down in which time expired a there was a foul by either team and the penalty is accepted except for the fouls listed in 334b i'm guessing we're getting to 334b after this yep um b there was a double foul now define a double foul for me real quick and we'll get into the when we get to the definition uh, episode we'll get into that but we've we're purposely putting the definition episode 
later because we want to get to the meat potatoes. What's a double foul? Sure. So we have fouls by both teams that occur. Okay. There was an inadvertent whistle. We'll talk about that in four a little bit more. But uh, an inadvertent whistle um, extends a period. Yep. Is that correct? According to this uh, rule, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> D. If a touchdown was scored, the try is attempted unless the touchdown is scored during the last down of the fourth period and the points would not affect the outcome of the game or playoff qualifying. Uh, playoff qualifying is probably just a points for, points against thing. But um, basically, one team's winning. They score a touchdown. Clock runs out. There is no reason to have the teams line up anymore. If A, B, C, or D occurs during the untimed down, the procedure is repeated. So just because it was one untimed down doesn't mean that something else doesn't happen again, and then it goes again. Yeah, so, so an untimed down is just uh, almost like it's you're already, It's like the same thing as the play happening where time runs out as far as the way this is concerned. So you could just continue to keep having plays going in that same direction uh, without switching. I'll say this. For a young crew member, this is one of those rules, 3-3, three, three, that it's good to know. You know, there's some like, you know, what are the uh, – Loss of down penalties. You know, there's, I think there's six of them. We'll go through that later. But, you know, there's, there's some like weird things that's good to know. And I think this Article 3, 3, and 4, and Article 4, is one of those things that it's kind of quirky because it hardly ever happens. But when it does happen, well, wait a minute. We had a penalty there. Does that extend the half? Does that extend the quarter? It's That's one of those things you can pick up on as a new guy um, and kind of really hone in on just that and help your crew out, I would say. The white hat should know it. One, one keyword there is it's an accepted penalty, too. So if you decline it, you don't still replay an untimed down. You have to accept a penalty. Gotcha. All right. So we just talked about, except for those fouls listed in 334B. All right. So we're at 334 now, which says, A period shall not be extended by an untimed down if one of the following occurred during a down in which time expired. A, when the defense fouls during successful try or field goal, and the offended team accepts the result of the play with enforcement of the penalty from the succeeding spot. So they're accepting the result of the play. Yeah, it's, it's more important for the field goal side of this thing because the try, if it's good, they're, they're, there's nothing you can get better unless you want to do a two-point try. But a field goal, depending upon what the penalty enforcement is, you may have gotten a first down, you may want to keep going for a touchdown. If you're taking the three points and putting the 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 uh, enforcement of this penalty on the succeeding kickoff, um, that means we don't extend uh, the period as far as that direction is concerned. Got you. All right, here's 334B. So 33A says there was a foul by either team and the penalty is accepted except for those fouls listed in 334B. So that's where we're at now. 334B says there was a foul by either team and the penalty is accepted for unsportsmanlike foul, non-player foul, Fouls that specify a loss of down. Fouls that are enforced on the subsequent kickoff, as in Rule 8. There's a bunch of Rule 8s listed, so we'll get to that when we get to Rule 8. Or 5, fouls for which enforcement by rule result in a safety. So, a period shall not be extended by an untimed down if one of the following occurred during the down which time expired. Unsportsmanlike foul. We're not extending a, a, a period for unsportsmanlike foul. We're not extending a period for non-player fouls. We're not extending a period for fouls that specify a loss of down. So, you know, the loss of down penalties uh, essentially is just saying that, uh, let's pick one as an example. So, uh, um, illegal forward pass. 
legal forward pass, right? If that penalty is accepted, it's five yards from the spot of the of the illegal forward pass, and then uh, the down counts. So you go from second down to third down. So you can't just keep doing a bunch of illegal forward passes until you finally get something that works. You, the down counts. Correct. But we're not going. We're not going to an extended period for uh, fouls that specify a loss of down. Yeah, I've heard it uh, described as. Um, when you have a loss of downfall, you have lost the right to replay the down is kind of another way to think about it. I don't know if that helps anybody or not, but uh, th this extending for an untimed down, you're not replaying that same down because we've had a loss of down. Uh, just an easy way to think about it. You're not getting the plans to do it over again, chance to get it over again. Okay. There's a note here that says the score is canceled in the event of an accepted penalty that specifies a loss of down. Score is canceled in the event of an accepted penalty that specifies loss of down. So an uh, legal forward pass gets caught in the end zone, six points, right? Well, you got to take those points off because it's a legal forward pass, and that was a loss of down play. Yeah, loss of down in general is on the offense or kicking team. So they're just saying you're not going to get to keep the score and have the defense enforce the foul on the subsequent play. By accepting the foul, the points are scrubbed is the easiest way to think about that. Okay. Article 5. At the end of each period, the referee shall hold the ball in one hand over head. I'll say that again so we get it clear. At the end of each period, the referee shall hold the ball in one hand overhead to indicate the period has officially ended after delaying momentarily to ensure that A, no foul has occurred. So there's no flags in the field. Just take a quick peek to make sure you're uh, back judge isn't waving you down for a foul. B, no obvious timing error has occurred. Uh, C, no request for a coach-referee conference has occurred. Or D, no other irregularity has occurred. So, I don't know, our crew, we've got uh, Jeremy from Farmington who, you know, on our crew we have the umpire who is uh, a big presence on our on our crew. He's the one who holds the ball up. I don't know. I guess it doesn't really matter if it's the referee, but it is kind of a, a nice little official thing to just hold the ball up to say that the period's ended. Yeah. I mean, it can be, it says referee here, but a referee or an umpire is not a big difference. Um, it just kind of signifies that, Hey, this, this period is done with. Um, I, we have the umpire do it on my crew too. Uh, unless he's elsewhere and I'm nearby, I'll do it. It's not, not a big deal. It's one of the weird things where like a mechanics thing is actually a part of the rule book. Yeah. Article 6, if a dead ball foul occurs after time expires for any period, the penalty shall be measured from the succeeding spot unless an 825 applies. Well, we'll get to 825. But So it, during the dead ball, so plays over, dead ball foul, late hit, uh, unsportsmanlike, something like that. If a dead ball foul occurs after time expires for any period, penalty shall be measured from the succeeding spot. So the only time you really get bungled up here is at the end of the game and uh, – somebody's just mad and they take it out you kind of just have to there, there's no penalty there other than uh kind of trying to get the coach to calm the guy down but for a dead ball foul i mean this is important to highlight so 825 that's the ability to put it on the try or succeeding kickoff so um this is just saying if you put it on the try it's not going to carry over if you put it on the kickoff you don't get it on the try 825 allows you to pick and choose where a dead ball foul after a score is put that's the end of 3-3. Three, 3-4, three. Three, starting and stopping the game clock. Article 1, the game clock shall start for a period. A, if a period begins with a free kick when the kick is touched, other than first touching by K. And B, if a period begins with a snap when the ball is legally snapped. So A, I mean, again, this is simple, but 
The clock doesn't start as soon as the ball is kicked. It's as soon as the receivers touch it, correct? Yep, and I mean, two of our periods are starting this way, so you know, at least half the time you should be starting it that way. Half the time it'll be using B as the, uh, the way to get it, the, the period to start. Okay, and as the white hat, you're the one, as soon as you see that ball touched, you start winding it. But if it goes and it's a touchback, clock hasn't started, right? There shouldn't, the clock should not have started if a guy boots it through the end zone uh, for a touchback. There, sh- there should be no time that has come off the clock. Is that correct? Uh, correct, but uh, the, the mechanics are actually the two. So, again, Minnesota has some varying oh, yeah. mechanics okay. from the rule book. That's a good point. Yep. Um, the two line of scrimmage guys who are on the pylons uh, to start for kickoffs, they are the ones, one of the two of them, if it's on one half of the field versus the other, they are the ones who start the clock. The uh, white hat and the winding guys, motion, right? It's just correct. a winding motion. Yeah. Yeah, there's a specific signal number. I think it's two where you wind the clock. But uh, that that's to start it when the receiving team catches it. Uh, the white hat and those guys can also help with if that ball has broken the plane. If it does break the plane on the kick, you never have time come off the clock. Gotcha. Article 2, the game clock shall start with the ready for play on a down beginning with a snap if the game clock was stopped for any reason other than specified in Rule 343 or an untimed down. A, for an official's timeout, other than when B is awarded a new series or either team is awarded a new series following a legal kick. B, because the ball has become dead following a foul provided 1, there has been no no charged timeout during the dead ball interval. 2, the down is not an extension of a period or try. Or three, the action which caused the down to end did not also cause the game clock to be stopped. Or C now, so we had A, B, and now we've got C, because of an inadvertent whistle, unless B or R is in possession at the time of the inadvertent whistle during a running play and chooses to accept the result of the play. Yeah, This, this is a lot to unpack. The easiest way to say all this stuff is, on normal plays, the clock will start on the ready for play. These are all plays that don't cause the player. We'll get into why we go on the snap in the next section here. But normal plays, except for the fact that if we had an inadvertent whistle after a turnover, because there was a turnover, the turnover causes us to do it on the snap too, is what the C section does there. But this is just saying normal run play up the middle. Uh, we stopped it for a first down. A second that that court or that the white hat gets the ready for play signal, the clock's going again. So this is just normal plays. The clock goes on the ready. It, 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 the game clock starts when we are ready for play. Gotcha. Article three: The game clock shall start with a snap or when any free kick is touched, other than first touching by K. If the game clock was stopped because A. The ball goes out of bounds. B. B or R is awarded a new series. C. Either team is awarded a new series following a legal kick. D, the ball becomes dead behind the goal lines. E, a legal or illegal forward pass is incomplete. F, a request for a charged or TV timeout is granted. G, a period ends. H, a team attempts to consume time illegally. I, the penalty for a delay of game follows accepted. Or J, a fair catch is made. All right, there's a couple in there. I mean, most of those are obvious, right? So the game clock shall start with a snap. Um, yeah, the, the normal H plays is, are incomplete pass or a guy goes out of bounds, we're going to start it on the snap. That's kind of the normal ones. All those other ones are timeouts, procedural things, you know, kickoffs kind of a unique one because we will wait for R to 
uh, touch the ball in the field of play. But these are all but, the reasons that you would start on the snap on the next play. But I think you've got, yeah, you've got uh, H in there, which is a little bit fuzzy, which says a team attempts to consume time illegally. This is an easy one. So we, this this is more the white hat being kind of game aware. I have a team that is up by six points and they run the ball on first down. Now on second down, they false start. So on second down, we'll administer the penalty and we'll wind the clock. And then they false start again. And so we'll administer the penalty and wind the clock. Well, if we're in quarter one, we're just going to keep doing that. If it's at the end of the game, we have to be clock aware and kind of situationally aware. And H allows us to say, you maybe get, I would even say after that, maybe that, they did it twice First in a row. Time, yeah. Well, yep. and it has to be kind of intentional on their part. So they did twice yep. in a row. That's where I'd say, okay, now we're just going to be snap. Yeah. No. And I think, again, being game aware and understanding game situation, who you're, who the team is, who the coach is, things like that, and just not letting them get away with uh, gaming the system. All right. Article four, the game clock shall be stopped when, again, we're going to go through a bunch of them here. A, the down ends following a foul. B, an official's timeout is taken. C, a charged or TV timeout is granted. D, the period ends. E, the ball is out of bounds. F, a legal or illegal forward pass is incomplete. G, a score touchdown occurs. H, a fair catch is made. I, an inadvertent whistle is sounded. J, an airborne receiver is carried out of bounds unless the receiver is carried backwards and his forward progress was stopped inbounds. We'll get into Jay um, a little bit later down the, the line of what a catch, no catch is um, along that period. But again, the game clock shall be stopped for all of these things. I don't think there's anything. No, I, with Jay, the, so with the airborne receiver thing, this is not someone is up in the air and gets pushed out of bounds. This is like someone has held them in the air. Imagine that married couple walking into the front door of their new house. Yeah. You know, that they have to literally, there has to be like time where they carry and throw them out. There, there's not just a push. So that, that's the yeah. big thing with that. It's an actual carry. Yep, and that's the difference between if a guy is pushed out of bounds, no catch, but if he has the ball and he would be coming down in inbounds and then is carried out, you can give him a catch because you Correct. can't carry a guy out. You can push him. So that comes up, but it's always good to kind of talk about some of these ancillary um, ways these rules come into play. Article 5, the game clock shall not start on first touching by K. This is a tricky one. Well, it's, this it's is a really not... tricky. I mean, it's tricky to get it right because you might have a clock guy um, who thinks that he saw the ball touched, but you're not winding it, right? I mean, like you have to be conscious to not wind it if it's first touching by K, right? Correct. And mechanically speaking, this is one of the tougher ones to get as an official. I mean, whether it's a surprise, I mean, if it's expected as an onside kick, great. But surprise ones, you all of a sudden have a ball coming at you. Uh, are people touching it? Are they blocking? There's you know a melee of a bunch of people coming together and remembering who touched it first could they start the clock was time supposed to come off it's difficult this this is one of the harder things to do as an official all this is making sure we know is that if k is touching before the ball's gone 10 yards there's not supposed to be any time that has come off if r does we do have time that comes off you know, and sometimes you've got a lot of time to know that an onside kick is coming, and you can have a quick pre or quick talk with the crew. Um, it's one of those things, maybe just to even write down what the what the clock says, right? Or have an awareness of what the clock is when that kick happens, so that if for some reason 
this happens, you know where the clock is. So yeah, I, I would uh, say on any score, someone, if not all the people on the crew, should be writing down that the score occurred and what the time was on the clock because that will get you out of jail, I guess, if there was a kickoff with a return and the clock didn't start. Well, it was at 7.07. I know it's got to be at least at 7 to 6.50 something, right? Just having that little point in time, and that's when we're setting up between a try after the tries occurred and then the kickoff, you have time to do that kind of thing. So writing down the time of a score is a good thing to do. Yeah. Article 6, when a team attempts to conserve or consume time illegally, the referee shall order the game or play clock started or stopped. Now, this should be a rule in, the, in, in college and in, high, in NFL, and I don't know if it is. Maybe, maybe it's coming in, but there's obvious times that you'll see on Saturdays and Sundays when this comes into play. But, again, you have the right as an official to say you are going outside of uh, normal procedure. You are gaming the system. We are not going to allow you to do that. As an official in high school, you have the ability to say the clock has stopped. It gets to start on uh, on the snap. Yep. And uh, amongst officials, we call this the God rule. It doesn't have specific times. It doesn't say, you know, in the last two minutes or five minutes like the uh, other two codes do. Uh, this is just more the referee, if he feels like someone, like you said, is gaming the system, they have the ability to make a ruling whether the clock should start or stop. Now, this shouldn't come into play often, but it just allows the flexibility for you to make sure someone's being not being unfair as far as uh, gaming the system. Yeah. Article 7, when a penalty is accepted with less than two minutes remaining in either half, the offended team shall have the option to start the game clock on the snap. Now, this one came into play um three four five years ago so yeah, it's 2021 10. right now uh, season that we're going to be doing this and so this came in recently and it, it's uh it's something that uh, as the back judge i am keenly aware of this when this happens the side guy you know the wings are administering the penalty for the most part the umpire is marching it off the referee's giving the signal so as the back judge i'm keenly aware of Wait, wait, we're under two minutes. The offending team gets to decide if the, the clock starts or stops. And so that's where I think I think that's the best person to be aware of that. Correct. Well, and, and this is whether or not it starts on the snap. So if yep. it was going to be on the snap anyway, there's not really an option. But if the clock was going to be running, you know, you had a holding foul or something like that, they get the option to try to keep as much time as there if they are the offended team or the, or the team that the foul occurred against. Yeah. Uh, Article 8. The referee shall have the authority to correct obvious errors in timing by the game clock if discovery is prior to the second live ball following the error, unless the period has officially ended, as in 335 that we talked about. So, following the second live ball, so let's just walk through a scenario real quick. So, first and 10, uh, we've got a running play, goes for a five yard dive, right? The clock all of a sudden stops, it should be running. Should be running right now. It's running play right up the middle, five yards. It we're gonna go to second down and five now. Now we run another play, another running play, let's say. But the clock keeps running. They say, Oh, why is there only 10 seconds off? There should be at least like 40. Um that's when you can correct it? Am I thinking of this correctly? So if you if it if it occurred on first down where they screwed up, you run second down play. Before the third down play, you got to correct it. So you have two chances to correct your error. 
happens gotcha. a lot more with the clock not stopping. I mean, honestly, yep. someone runs out of bounce on first down and the clock keeps going because the, the timer guy up in the booth thought that uh, the, the guy was you know down before he got there. So the clock keeps going. You end up running another play, and the clock keeps going again. You, just, you have to try to catch it before you've run two plays, is all this is saying. Happens okay. then. It also happens on, like, turnovers. I mean, I had it in a, uh, in a in a state tournament game where fourth down team didn't make it, and the clock guy just thought that there was another first down happening. But it ended up being that the team B was going to get the ball, so we should have stopped the clock for that reason. Gotcha. Okay, so you've got two shots. you got two bites of that apple to correct a timing error. Let's just put it that way. All right, Article 9. The referee shall have the authority to correct obvious errors in timing by the play clock if discovery is prior to the snap. It should have been at 40. It's a, it went to 25. We're putting yep. the ball down. It says eight seconds on it. We know there's an issue there, right? And that just happens. Yep, yep. fairly obvious one. All right, 3-5. Charged and officials timeouts. Intermissions. Article 1. Each team is entitled to three charged team timeouts during each half. Unused first half timeouts cannot be used in the second half. Unused second half timeouts cannot be used in overtime. Article 2. A charged team timeout occurs when the ball is dead and A. The request of either a player or the head coach or, or head coach's designee is legally granted. When a decision on a penalty is pending, a timeout shall not be granted to either team until the designated representative makes his choice. Now, that's just kind of obvious so that somebody's not taking a timeout thinking that they need to stop the clock where a penalty might have stopped the clock anyways. Correct. So you're just, you know, let, let, all, let all the administrative stuff happen and then ask, do you want a timeout? And again, you can try not, nobody's trying to trick anybody here or anything. Just, you know, let the, let, Slow time down, let things uh, happen as they happen, and then just take things one at a time. And B, the repair of faulty player equipment requires the assistance of a team attendant or attendants, or which, without the assistance of a team attendant, delays the ready for play for more than 25 seconds, other than as in 3510D or 3510E. So again, a charge team timeout, occurs when the ball is dead and the repair of faulty equipment requires the assistance of team attendant. As a back judge, I see this often. You know, you've got a guy who can't get his um, jersey out of his out of his shoulder pads or he doesn't have something clipped up on his helmet or he's got a shoe untied. You know, just call a, an official's timeout for those ones. But if you've got something else like this where they need to get the player equipment, um, a charge team timeout occurs. Yeah, so the three five ten that they're talking about is officials' timeouts. We allow people to go off if their chin straps messed up, they don't have a mouth guard, that kind of thing. We we just get a new player coming in. If there's something that is like a, a let's just say the clips of someone's face mask comes off, you know that somebody has to use a screwdriver to get that back on. It's not yeah. going to take twenty five seconds. You're not going to be able to flip something down. They have to either take a timeout to address that, or the player's got to go out for a play. Yeah, you got to switch. I mean, you can't like. You can't have a guy run out there quick. Well, he's got he can screw it on quick. This is the quickest uh, equipment guy you've got in the world. He can run out there, get it back, and go. No, I mean you, take a you timeout. To, you can do it. If not, you just yeah. Otherwise, you got to have a replaced player. C, a timeout is requested and granted for the purpose of reviewing a game official's application of a rule which may have been misapplied or misinterpreted. The timeout remains charged to the requesting team if no 
change in the ruling results. So you can call a timeout, right? Hey, we got to talk about this. Call a timeout. We got to talk about this. You uh, said that was a five-yard penalty. This should be a 15-yard penalty. You know, and have a little conference and say, you know, you're right, coach. Should be 15. There's no charge timeout there. Right. It's almost like the one way you get to review plays in high school football. Uh, the coach can talk to us about a application of rule. Penalty enforcement's a good one you just brought up. Uh, at any time, and if they we do overturn, if we messed it up, if we kicked it, uh, we don't charge them with the timeout still. Okay. I will say this. We talked about B. We talked about the repair of faulty equipment. I did have one, and I don't know if it comes up, um, but I had one play where we were asked, we have an injured player. If we call, you know, so he needed help getting out. If we call timeout, can that injured player come back in? And we said yes, and that is not true. That injured player, if he, he must sit out for one play. A timeout cannot save an injured player. It can in basketball, but it cannot in football. Well, and this is why people get that one messed up, because if yep. you can buy someone back in if their helmet pops off through play, they can usually they have to go sit out for a play. If you call a timeout, yep. the helmet thing, they can come back in. Injuries, they have to stay out for a play no matter what. No, yep. Even though over a period, there's no exception to that. One play on an injured player where we stop the game for them, they have to sit out a play. Yeah, helmet comes off, call that faulty equipment, requires assistance, something like that. But if it's injured, they must sit out a play. You cannot be bought back in with a timeout. All right, Article 3. A single charged timeout shall not exceed one minute. The referee shall notify the teams within five seconds after the timeout expires and shall mark the ball ready for play. Charged timeouts shall be reduced in length only if both teams are ready to play prior to the ready for play by the referee. Fairly simple. Article 4. Successive charge timeouts may be granted during the same dead ball period. An official's timeout may follow a charge timeout if it is for the continuance of a coach-referee conference or if safety is involved. When a team's permissible charge timeout outs for the first half have been used, its captain and coaches should be notified. So this is saying successive charge timeouts. So can a, a team can... If they got three timeouts, they want to ice the kicker at the end of the half. Can they call three in a row? Yes, that's exactly what this is saying. Uh, some okay. other codes don't allow that to happen. So, yes, they can take all three in a row in the same dead ball period. Okay, Article 5. After a team has used its permissible charge timeouts for the half, any subsequent request shall be denied unless it is for, A, an apparently injured player who is so designated when the request is made. So that's just a player trying to help us teammate out right like hey this guy's hurt let's let's call timeout b necessary repair to player equipment except as in 3510d or 3510e or c the review of a possible misapplication or misinterpretation of a rule i think it's very simple article six if repair of equipment without the assistance of a team attendant delays the ready for play for more than 25 seconds or requires the assistance of a team attendant or attendants, and the player's team has used all permissible timeouts, the player shall be replaced for at least one down. Okay. Article 7. An official's timeout, which is not charged to either team, occurs during a dead ball. I'm going to preface this by saying, you know, we've got running time, and the, the clock runs except for officials' timeouts. And all of these, and nobody, nobody, I don't think anybody really follows this rule. I think everybody just lets the clock run, even when a lot of these happen. 
Um, but I just want to call it out that all of these are officials timeouts, which is not charged to either team, occurs during a dead ball. All right, A, for a measurement of a possible first down. When a first down is declared. Oh, I'll start again. A, for measurement of a possible first down. B, when a first down is declared. C, following a change of team possession. D, when captains and coaches are notified of the time remaining. E, for a player in need of equipment repair. F, to dry or change the ball. G, for unusual heat or humidity, which may create a health risk to the players. H, when a coach-referee conference concerning the misapplication of a rule results in the referee altering his ruling. I, after a foul, to administer the penalty. J, for any unusual delay in getting the ball ready for play. K, for a TV radio timeout that is permitted and granted as authorized by state association policy. L, for a one-minute intermission between the first and second and the third and fourth periods and following a try, successful field goal, or safety and prior to the succeeding free kick. So I'll, so that's the end of the list, but I'll say that L, I think, is the one that really comes into play with the uh, with the, the running clock. The team's just allowed to keep going, or uh, clock guys, officials just allowed to keep going. Um, it's all in good faith to get the game moving because it's out of hand, but, you know, letter of the law, there's uh, 12 official timeouts that can occur. Yeah, not much to say. They're just, these are all reasons that, stop the clock that are not involved with the players doing it, going out of bounds or running down the middle or something. Yeah. Article 8, authorized conferences. A, an authorized conference may be held during, one, a charge timeout, two, an official's timeout, and or three, if granted by the referee. B, only one type of authorized team conference may be used during, one, any charge timeouts, or two, official's timeouts, C, only an outside nine-yard mark conference may be held. As in 358A, yeah, this one's a important one to talk about. So officials, the, uh, what do we call these again? The designated conferences. This is talking about whether you have a coach come out with the 11 players or if you have more than one coach and more than 11 players meeting together during a, a timeout or a dead ball period. Uh, the outside the nine-yard marks, you can have more coaches and more players involved with them. If it's inside the nine-yard marks, which is essentially where those numbers are on the field, um, that means you can only have 11 players and one coach. Sometimes there's that and maybe like a water person or something. We don't care about the water person. You just can't have two coaches come out to those. That's the big difference between the authorized conferences. Yeah, and I'd say you see it kind of often, I guess. There's one or two or three, something like that. It just can't be ridiculous. But, you know, the D coordinator wants to just huddle up and talk during a during a conference, things like that. You, it, letter of the law, only one coach can come out and should try to try to enforce that, but uh, be, you know, know what the game situation, time and what the situation is when when getting too technical with it. Article 9, unless the game clock is already stopped, an official's timeout shall be taken as soon as the ball becomes dead following a change of team possession or whenever the covering official declares the ball dead and it appears to him the ball has reached the line to gain. Fairly simple. Article 10, an official's timeout, which is not charged to either team, occurs and the player 
shall be replaced for at least one down unless halftime intermission or an overtime intermission occurs when A, an apparently injured player is discovered by the game official while the ball is dead and the game clock is stopped and for whom the ready for play is delayed or for whom the game or play clock is stopped. So we just talked about that one up top. You can't buy your way in with a timeout. You have to sit out of play. There's one exception here that I, uh, I guess I'm learning as we're talking about it here. So okay. I know you can't do it between quarters, but apparently if it's halftime, they can come in and play after halftime. So that's or a good uh, overtime, there. yeah. End of, the, end of the game, and you're going to start overtime. They are allowed to come back in. B, any player who exhibits signs, symptoms, or behaviors consistent with a concussion, such as loss of consciousness, headache, dizziness, confusion, or balance problems, shall be immediately removed from the game and shall not return to play until cleared by an appropriate healthcare professional. See the NFHS suggested guidelines for management of concussion in sports in Appendix B. Now, I'll just say this. It's been my experience that in the last five to eight years that players themselves are keenly aware of the dangers of head injuries, concussions, uh, unknown what's going on in their head, and have been really good at removing themselves. Or teammates have said, oh, dude, you don't look good. You better go out. You know, it's our job to kind of help them out, make sure they understand there's some ramifications. And a lot of times they've been knocked silly and they don't even know what's going on. So any player who exhibits these symptoms, shut it down. Tell them to go sit out a play. Um, every once in a great while there's time and, you know, if it's the last play of a game, maybe eh, even then you don't even want to think about it. It's not worth the safety of the player to play that one more down if he's got a severe concussion or something like that. Kill the play, kill the clock, get somebody out there from the team representative and let them handle it. Yeah, th this has been a big philosophy change. I mean, I'd say at all levels over yeah. the past 5, 10, 15 years, there was a time where we had people who would run up and do wedge busters and you know, mm -hmm. they'd, they'd get, they'd say they get a bell ringer or something. That's probably a concussion in today's terms. We, we know a lot more. We know, I guess, that these things are not good, especially to continue to do them over and over again. So the rules are just, and I think even us as officials are better educated than we would have been if we were in the same situation a long time ago. Uh, if we see someone that has any symptoms that we've been trained to kind of observe, us, the coaches, the medical staff, we all want that player to take a break. Mm -hmm. D, the helmet comes completely off during the down or subsequent dead ball action related to the down without being directly attributable to a foul by an opponent. Okay, that guy's got to go sit unless an opponent, like, pushes it off, right? You're not going to penalize a guy for sitting if uh, legal hands of the face knocks the guy's helmet off. That's a foul. you got to make sure there's a foul there. You can't, <laughs> you can't not have a foul and tell the guy he can stay in. Well, and the, 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 there's also the foul's got to be what knocks the helmet off. So you could right. have a, a horse collar, but the guy's helmet pops off because it kind of got whipped. Well, the foul wasn't what caused his helmet to come off. It was because his chin strap wasn't on tight enough. So mm -hmm. you want it to be something like a face mask or a hands of the face that causes the helmet to get ripped off. Uh, that That's what allows him to put it back on and stay in the, in the game. Yeah. E, any requ required player equipment is missing or improperly worn. So, yeah, you don't have your pads in, you got to go sit out. Got to um, wear a tail pad. Got to wear a tail pad, yeah. <laughs> Article 11, a player directed by his coach or the head coach may request and be granted a timeout for the purpose of the coach and the referee reviewing a decision which may have resulted from misapplication or mis 
interpretation of the rule. Provided the request is made prior to the time the ball becomes live following the play to be reviewed, unless the period has officially ended. When a timeout is so granted, the referee will confer with the coach at the sideline in front of the, his team box in the field of play. If the conference results in the referee altering his rule, the opposing coach will be notified, the revision made, and the timeout shall be an official's timeout. If the referee's ruling prevails, the timeout remains charged to the team requesting the timeout for the conference. And I'll just add this. No matter what happens, if you're talking to one coach for a long time or have some sort of discussion on one sideline, it's just common courtesy to go over to the other sideline to tell them what was decided or what was um, what what you were talking about, um, it, you know, it says to do that if uh, if you're changing your ruling. But even if you don't change your ruling, at least somebody on the other side has to be notified of what was going on. So you know, take a little extra time. The white hat usually runs over there, but you guys with your O2Os, maybe you can just communicate um, via the the wing guy on the other side. Three six play clock ball ready for play. And delay. Article 1. Play clock and ready for play. A. Play clock. Subsection 1. 25 seconds will be on the play clock and start on the ready for play signal. A. Prior to a try following a score. B. To start a period or overtime series. C. Following administration of an inadvertent whistle. D. Following a charged timeout. Or E. Following an official's timeout as in 357 or 3510. Two. This is just saying it's an official's timeout. A is a measurement. B is when a first down is declared. So usually the 40 just continues as we do that. Yep. Three. Three, five, seven, E, if initially related to a defensive player. What's three, five, seven, E? This has got to be someone coming out for either a helmet or an injury. Three, five, seven, E says for a player in need of equipment repair. All right. There's exceptions. 3510, if initially related to a defensive player. F, following a legal kick when either team is awarded a new series. And G, following the stoppage of play clock by the referee for any other reason. Yeah, so this is just like if we've had any administrative stoppages at all for either we have a penalty, we, we have a turnover, anything like that, when the referee is going to kind of put the ball in play at 25 is, is what the, this rule is covering. Uh, all other plays, you know, normal play occurs, then it goes to 40 and just kind of keeps running. So these are if we've stopped for some reason, we're going to put it at 25. Yeah, so two states that 40 seconds will be on the play clock after a down other than specified in 361A1 and start when the ball is declared dead by a game official. So, yeah, so that's, I mean, there's no, like, wait three seconds. I mean, technically, as soon as it's dead, that's when the 40 seconds starts. Now, as a back judge, when there's not a 40-second clock, do I give it two or three seconds? Is it? Do I have to kind of figure out where I'm at? Yes. Well, because well, I mean, you're not, as the play's ending, you're not, you know, on your watch getting ready to click the button. You have to administer, you have to watch people, make sure the play ends, make sure you don't have late hits, that kind of thing. So yep. there is a natural two to three seconds, if not more. Yeah, I would say I try to do with it within at least five, right? Like you kind of assess, see where everything's at. There's no penalties. There's nothing, nothing nefarious is happening. All right, we can get to the clock there. All right, in B, the ball is ready for play. One, when the ball has been placed for a down and the referee marks the ball ready for play after giving the ready for play signal. Or two, 
starting immediately after the ball has been ruled dead by a game official after a down. The ball has been placed on the ground by the game official, and the game official has stepped away to position as in 361A2. Okay. Article 2. Action or inaction which prevents promptness in putting the ball in play is delay of game. This includes failure to snap or free kick prior to the expiration of the 25 or 40 second play clock. That's a delay game. Unnecessary and unnecessarily carrying the ball after it has become dead. So again, you're just not the running running back, receiver, quarterback's just not giving you the ball, right? He's just uh, trying to delay either giving you the ball for um, clock reasons. Uh, you may say if they just drop the ball or something like that, that, that this should come into play. Again, this is a time to work with the players, work with their coaches and say, help us out a little bit. I wouldn't necessarily want to uh, enforce this one until you've given three or four or six or ten warnings. Sure. My, my threshold for unnecessary is, is very high. Sometimes player yes. doesn't know that his forearm was down or something, so he kind of squirts out. We blew our whistle, everyone's down, and he runs 20 yards or something, whatever it ends up being. We yep. just want to say, hey, you know, you were down, bring the ball back. We're not flag happy and, and trying to get him for a delay for being excited about breaking away. Anyway, it's just it's not something yep. that, unless it's very, very unnecessary. To That's you, a good way to have it. Make the threshold very high. C, a coach-referee conference after all the permissible charge timeouts for the coach's team have been used and during which the referees requested to reconsider the application of a rule and no change in the in the ruling results. Uh, so I, I guess I've never considered this. So. Yeah, so so here, we can walk through this real quick. So if, they cut, if the team has timeouts left and they ask us about a rule misapplication or enforcement, um, if we don't change their call with the timeout, now we allow them to continue to ask us about um, applications of rules, even if they don't have timeouts. If they uh, ask for it, they're out of timeouts, and we don't make a change, then it's actually a delay a game foul for them for having that little conference. If yeah. we do make a change, nothing happens, play goes on. Yeah, there's got to be some penalty for just continually. Like You can't, again, game the system by just, hey, I want to talk about that. Hey, I want to talk about it after every single play. Uh, D, snapping or free kicking the ball before it is ready for play. So, so if you just practice snapping, practice kicking, that kind of a thing, they just don't want you doing that, that's a delay of game. Well, we talk about it in, in four, too. Maybe we enforce the penalty, put the ball down, the umpire's backing away, but that white hat hasn't blown it in yet. If they mm-hmm. snap it there, remember we talk about it still being a dead ball period, but since yep. they snapped it and it wasn't ready for play, that's actually considered delay of game, too. They, they delayed the ability for us to even put it into play. Yeah, and again, maybe maybe have a little bit of a consideration for a situation of the game. If the guy was doing it, the player was doing it on purpose, let's enforce this rule. If it was, uh, you know, the JV teams out there and they're just nervous, maybe we'll just re re kick it. So, um, E, any other conduct which unduly prolongs the game. So there's your catch all, uh, delay a game. Um, we're get, we got to penalize you for something. Delay a game. Let's move on. Uh, F, failure to unpile from an opponent in a timely manner. Again, this is probably at the end of the end of the game when uh, one team is trying to run the clock out, the other team is trying to get the, the ball back, something like that. There is a failure to unpile from an opponent in a timely manner, delay of game. Article 3, a team shall play within two minutes after being ordered to do so by the referee. Never had to have that come into play, but there is I a did rule. once. 
Did not you? a fun one. Yeah, it was a it was a forfeiture. Uh, team was up by 35 points with, I think, about six minutes left in the second quarter. And uh, after the last score we had, uh, the opposing team did not want to come out and play. I had to go have a conversation with the coach about what he wanted to do moving forward. So uh, this gotcha. one did come into play. If you look at the penalty for this one, failure to play following order by referee is a forfeiture of the game. Gotcha. There it is. All right, Article 4, game management is responsible for clearing the field of play in the end zones at the beginning of each half, so play may begin at the scheduled time. It is not your job as the referee to get the band moving, to get the kids off the field, anything like that. That is for game management. Yeah, don't yell at the dance team. (laughs) 3-7, substitutions. Article 1, between downs, any number of eligible substitutes may replace players. Upon meeting the criteria of 2-32-12, replaced players shall begin to leave the field within three seconds. This is just the definition of substitutes, players. 2-32-12 states a replaced player is one who has been notified by a substitute that he is to leave the field. A player is also replaced when the entering substitute becomes a player. Okay. Article 2, a player, replaced player, or a substitute is required to leave the field at the side on which his team box is located and go directly to his team box. This comes into play only when you've got uh, quick situations and you've got a, a D-back. who hit, He's on the uh, north side of the field, let's say. His team's on the south side. That's where their box is. Um, he cannot run out to the north side and then kind of run around the back of the end zone. He has to go towards his – he has to get to his goal, his uh, sideline. Correct. He also can't go out the back of the end zone. That's where I see it too is where that defense, maybe they have 12 on the field. One guy trying to get off tries to go out the back, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the end line. Uh, he can't do that. He can go out the side of the end zone. That's legal, but he can't cross over that end line to get off. He has to be crossing his team's sideline. Okay. Article 3, during the same dead ball interval, no substitute shall become a player and then withdraw, and no player shall withdraw and re-enter as a substitute. Unless a penalty is accepted, a dead ball fall occurs, there is a charge timeout, or the period ends. This is a squishy one. Sometimes you get guys who run out, oh, wait, wait, you know, we wanted a 4-3 package. No, no, we want 3-4 package. Um, Technically, they're not supposed to go out, come back in. They maybe not don't re- quite reach the goal line, but I think, again, sub, uh, time and place for this one. If they're trying to sneak somebody on, different scenario than uh, the D coordinator, all of a sudden he wants a 4-3 instead of a 3-4. So. Yeah, I mean, your, your, terms, your term squishy here is good. Officially, the second that someone's foot gets on the field, they're, they're now a substitute coming in to replace yep. a player. So just this one's more use tact with it if it's – if it's just the coaches are kind of confused or making a change in the play they're calling or something, that's not the time to get involved. It's just saying you can't have number 15 from all the way out, get to the huddle, then run all the way back. That's what is actually a foul here. Gotcha. Article 4. During a down, a replaced player or substitute who attempts unsuccessfully to leave the field and who does not participate in or affect the play constitutes an illegal substitution. Note, participation by a replaced player or substitute is illegal, partic- is illegal participation as in 9-6. Yeah, so the importance of this is, um, let's just say we have 12 players on the defense. 
if they all 12 participate, we actually have a 15-yard penalty for illegal participation. It, it dings them worse. Mm-hmm. If the player, the 12 player is running off and does not participate in the play, that's a five-yard illegal substitution foul. So the, the guy leaving, you want to say that he does not participate. It's not you don't want to ding someone because they're trying to get off the field. If all twelve stay in, it's actually a worse foul here in, in high school. So uh, just know the difference between substitution and participation. And our mechanics state that if we see as the back judge, well, on our crew the back judge is the only one that counts because I don't think you need two people counting eleven players when there's only five of us um, out there. The back judge can count eleven just fine. Um, if you see twelve players, you shut that down when the snap is eminent so that it is only a five-yard penalty and is not a 15. Participation foul, correct. Yep. And I'll just say for our national audience, uh, the, the back judge should be checking off with the line of scrimmage guy that is on the defense's side. That is the way I think that that's written for mechanics books. Um, it falls you know, primarily on the back judge, though you're correct. You're, you're the one who has a great perspective of those 11 guys versus the person on the sidelines kind of looking through players and around players. Yep. All right. Article 5. An entering substitute shall be on his team's side of the neutral zone when the ball is snapped or free kicked. So he can't be on the uh, opposing team side. Fairly simple. Yeah. See, it seems like it happens most when you're down by one end zone and they're trying to get another lineman in for goal line or something like that. Uh, maybe he doesn't quite get there by the time that the offense is ready to snap the ball. So that is a substitution foul. Okay. Article 6, during a down, a replaced player or substitute who enters the field but does not participate constitutes illegal substitution. That's basically saying the same thing as Article 4. But the, the, the other one's like dealing with people leaving the field. Mm-hmm. If they are leaving but stay and make a tackle, that's a participation versus a substitution. This is just a person that comes in but does not participate. I don't know. They got on the field and they just stood there, I guess is the difference. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's the end of uh, Rule 3, Luke. So we'll uh, move on to Rule 4 after this and uh, continue down the road. So good work. Thanks for uh, hanging out, and we'll uh, catch you next time. Well, you're at the game, and it's Friday night, and you want to make sure that the calls are right. This is high school football. There's a hole in a fumble and an illegal pass. Now what do you do? Cause you're the ref. Well, this is high school football. Well, sit on down and kick right back. You're going to listen to Luke and Matt. They're talking high school football. They're talking high school football. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter at H. SFR podcast, Twitter at HSFR podcast, or email us at high school football rules at gmail.com. That's high school football rules at gmail.com.